When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Chicago Audible podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. We're just a few days away from Halloween, but let's be honest, nothing is more scary than what we saw from our Chicago Bears on Monday night. I'm your ghost, I mean, I'm your host, Will DeWitt. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. This is our Week 8 Bears preview show, and it's time to take a look at the upcoming matchup against the New Orleans Saints. Nick, let's go ahead, and I just want to know your thoughts. How are you feeling now that we are a few days away from another Bears game, entering the month of November, and of course, honestly, uh, just how you holding up after everything we uh, encountered on Monday night. You know, Will, honestly, it's uh, still the same feelings from Monday night. Obviously, maybe not as heightened as they were right after that game, but there's still a lot of questions about this Bears team. A lot of things to be scary about, given that we are nearing Halloween, the actual day, but I think with this matchup, too, it's just another one where you don't see what the Bears do well. Can they capitalize on what the Saints don't and vice versa? So it's another matchup that is, well, a scary one, Will. So that's that's what's frightening for me. That's what should be frightening for Bears fans. But we're going to talk you through it and maybe at the end make you feel a little bit better. But it's going to be hard to do. It's going to be quite the challenge, like you said there, Nick. And uh, as we kind of just honestly just march forward here through the show and no that's not a pun with the saints you know marching in or anything like that although i guess it could have been perceived as one uh, my initial perception of the saints as we kind of just talk about it it's gonna be another big test for the bears uh the saints they're putting up some serious points and even though this bears defense could help limit that uh the matter of how much they can and does it even matter with what this bears offense can or really can't do is going to be the bigger question that's really uh, the Bears' offense's inability to find any sort of rhythm, any sort of points, is going to really determine how this game goes because the Saints' defense, they're average, but average is probably enough to give this Bears' offense fits. So just like it has been for the last few weeks, another big test all around. How about you, Nick? What's going to be your 
initial perception of just the Saints and what kind of week that is in store for us? Yeah, I just think whenever I think of the Saints, I think of a well-coached team with Sean Payton and just the, the connection and the chemistry that he has with his quarterback, Drew Brees. And you saw what they did last week to the Panthers team, being down some key receivers, but it didn't look like it mattered for a team like that. They always seem like they're prepared for whatever their opponent's going to bring in. The Bears really need to bring everything. It has to be A-plus quality to get the Saints off their mark. So that's what I think of this Saints team, always prepared and is able to really combat whatever other team's trying to do to, again, take advantage of their weaknesses. But we just talked about it. This Bears team probably isn't capable of doing that. But that's what, I'm, that's what I think about when I think of the New Orleans Saints. Lovely. And, of course, don't forget what they did to us last year as well. And I know there is a different team uh, for both uh, clubs. Things are different. But we'll, we'll talk about how we're feeling in terms of how things will shake out throughout the show but Nick are you ready to move forward and look at uh well right now we'll start with the Bears offense as we kind of talk about our big three talking points or so on each side of the ball let's do it all right by the way your dad in the chat says that was uh some I think he means creepy show but also he had a spelling error and it could have been another word instead of show so Uh-oh, it could have been some creepy s as well but you never know uh so jumping in to our uh, Bears offense of discussion here uh to begin with the Bears offense we need to look at what I would call a pretty big concern with some players dealing with injuries Allen Robinson he's still in concussion protocol for Monday's game Cody White here he's still dealing with a calf injury himself and there's a real possibility that neither of these players will suit up on Sunday and we also know you know these players are very important and I know White here hasn't been playing super well himself but he's better than the the counterpart in Sam Mustafer and it's easy to express how important Allen Robinson is to the vitality of this offense his 70 targets are the third most finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. In the NFL, and if he's unable to go... The Saints defense, Nick, I fear they can really have their way against us. So to kind of kick things off, Nick, I'm curious how concerned you are about these injuries, how much it's going to hurt the Bears offense to lose these two starters this week because personally myself, I don't know if we can express it enough just how impactful losing both these players could be. Yeah, absolutely. I think Cody Whitehair is a guy that since Matt Nagy's been here hasn't missed a snap in his career so it's that shows how reliable he's been and he's the one obviously this offensive line has been playing good all season well but he does make them better you don't get any better with Cody Whitehair on the sidelines and having Sam Mustafer out there as his replacement especially with Rashad Coward to his left and Jermaine Fetty to his right it doesn't make this offensive line better so that's that's the first thing and if they do get protection protection up front for Nick Foles Who's he going to throw to now without Allen Robinson? Yes, Darnell Mooney's been stepping up. Anthony Miller, what? We can't really rely on Anthony Miller at this point. And that really is a scary thought to not have your two probably most reliable guys on offense, which at this point isn't saying too much. Allen Robinson, I would definitely give it a, you know his way a little bit more. But this offense looked bad with those guys in. I can't imagine 
what this offense would look like without them if they both can't go this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, with A-Rob, you hit it. Like, where the heck is that ball going to go? We lost Cohen, who had himself a lot of targets over the past couple of seasons, and he's someone that's a huge part of this offense. Allen Robinson has been getting looked at, doesn't matter who's at center, by far more than anyone else on this offense. And again, Darnell Mooney, there's only so much I think you can ask out of him right now. Anthony Miller, we know the inconsistencies. So where do those targets get divvied up? And if they're gonna if they're gonna go to Demetrius Harris, Nick, I think we got some serious problems uh, at our hands. And with Cody Whitehair perhaps not being able to play, instead you would see Sam Mustafer at center. Uh, in my notes, I said he's weak sauce. I think that is a fair assessment. Uh, as soon as he got injected into the game, uh, he was. And we've complained about Cody Whitehair allowing internal pressure and getting walked backward. Sam Mustafer made Cody Whitehair look like Whitehair's been playing at an, like a Pro Bowl level. I mean, it was really bad up front and I know the Bears this week they've been talking him up about how smart he is and he understands the offense and that's great but if he doesn't just have the funda you know fundamental strength uh the foundational strength to play center in this league that's going to be um, another big issue and then honestly Nick the entire interior of the offensive line is just so spooky I mean Coward he has started 20 games at guard now uh, only a few at left guard, and I can't believe he's already started 20 games. Uh, that's a little depressing over the last couple of years for us. Uh, your center's gone. We've already lost James Daniels as well. So a lot of the talent that you're supposed to have is gone. And then you have Jermaine Effetti at right guard, who is transitioning still from right tackle to guard. So he's someone that he has a mixture of experience there, but just in general, the lack of experience with the interior of the offensive line coupled with the average play that you get from these tackles, it's just a recipe really for me, Nick, for a disaster. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, look, Matt Nagy can't run his offense, even though we've questioned his play-calling abilities at this point anyway. But now given what the offensive line is made up, which is not a good group, to be completely honest, to be blunt, it's not good. It's not good enough to be successful, I think, uh, just in this league. But now Matt Nagy has to find ways to orchestrate some type of rhythm with the guys that he has. And it's a tough job. And and I know I criticized him for, for play calling, but this is still going to be something where any play caller looks at this is like, man, I got myself a challenge this week. But Matt Nagy has to go every week with this and see what he can, you know, just scheme up. He's supposed to have a creative mind, a good play calling, all that good stuff that he came in with. But this is going to be put to the test right right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's a perfect segue to our next talking point because I did want to look at that play calling because on the postgame show, uh, we were both highly frustrated with what we saw uh, in that game against the Rams. And that's not unique to us. Uh, there are plenty of fans and media members alike questioning whether or not Maggie, Nagy should still be the play caller for this team. And Nick, I know you stayed up late Monday night. You wrote a column stating that it is now time for change. And it's really hard to argue against it. The Bears' offense ranks 27th in points per game, 29th in yards per game, 25th in passing yards, 30th on third down, dead last in rushing. No matter how you splice it, it's not working. Uh, Something does need to change. Something needs to be done. And it doesn't look like the Bears, who are sitting in the middle of the NFL's cap space, aren't really looking to make moves to get anyone else into this team. And it kind of just comes back then to who we currently have and getting the most out of those players, which is something that we thought Matt Nagy should. And he said, and he prides himself at being someone who can do that, but it really hasn't been the case. Uh, Nick, early in the week, Nagy, he seemed open 
to perhaps making a change here. But then even today, he kind of walked that dog backwards a little bit and kind of put the blame elsewhere, saying that after all of his review, he doesn't believe that his the play calling that is really holding this offensive back. So for me, Nick, do you still think this is a change that we must or at least will see at some point this season? Honestly, I don't think so, Will. I, I really don't, um, even though that's something that I would I think is what's needed at this point because what has been going on for the past seven weeks hasn't been working. And at what point do you have to say, well, we got to make a change? I would like to see it, but I just think who Matt Nagy is, and I'm not trying to say he's stubborn, but in some ways he is. Like He kind of just refuted, like, play calling, I don't think that's the issue. Well, it kind of is. Like, let's be completely honest here. You don't run at Aaron Donald on several plays in a row and think that that can't be the issue, which we'll probably get into, Will. But um, I don't think we do see the change. I honestly don't, unless it's John Filippo who would maybe be second, or Bill Lazor, even Dave Ragone. Those, those are all guys that have had, I guess, experience. Dave Ragone with the least amount of it. He had it, what, in a preseason game, I believe, with the Bears. But why not try something? Maybe they can get more out of with what the group that is clearly in front of them right now because Matt Nagy, there, it just seems like there's no rhythm on offense. You see we, what we saw on Monday night with the Rams, the, the play action, the motion, there seemed to be plays being built up on top of each other. I, I feel like just Matt Nagy just looks on that sheet, looks at BU, and he says, I'm going to call this play. Ooh, and then I'm going to call this play. And if that one doesn't work, we'll call the third down and eight play. That's definitely not going to work. So it just seems like there's no rhythm. Why not give someone another opportunity? But to answer your question, I don't think it happens. I feel like my kid who plays Madden does a better job of picking plays that can perhaps work at times. I don't know if Nagy's stuck on Ask Madden mode and he just hits, you know, uh, X twice and whatever that play is, that's what we're going to go with. But yeah, Nick, like you, uh, I think a lot of people felt the same way where the rhythm was just so lacking. And I know it's really difficult when you can't run the ball. Um, I understand that when the offensive line is struggling as much as it is, but I think there are creative ways, and we I thought we'd seen it like in the Tampa Bay game that you can kind of combat that, and it wasn't really there on Monday. And for me, if Nagy struggles this week, you have Tennessee and Minnesota, and Tennessee is another game that who that's going to be another test, and we'll talk about them next week. Minnesota, even though they're not having a great year and they're seeming like they're putting in, looking towards 2021 already, Third individual rival, and that game will probably be closer than we want it to be, too. So then you hit the bye week. So I think if you see a change, you'll see it then. Um, and that's if the offense doesn't get any sort of uh, improvement between now and then. But like you, Nick, if it kind of stays status quo or maybe it slightly has an uptick or just feels a little bit better, I think it's an easy uh, way for Nagy to kind of maintain that control that he so desperately wants when it comes to play calling. And this week specifically, if Whitehair and A-Rob are out like we are just talking about, that's such an easy cop-out for him. Like, well, I didn't have my center, I didn't have my starting wide receiver, and we just couldn't execute. I can already see all the coach speak that's going to be coming out of him if they do struggle this week, if those players aren't unable to play. But like you, Nick, I'd be surprised if he finally let go, but I do think it would be in our best interest if he just found it in himself to, to do so. But he doesn't seem like he's really eager or even super open to it uh, which to me is a uh, disappointing yeah and, and you know what to be to be fair too we don't know if bill laser john Filippo, or anybody else would do better but like what we're saying is that why not give it a try why not give it at least a try to see 
uh, give those guys an opportunity. But yeah, maybe with the guys up front, the personnel, even with them, doesn't make a difference. But I would like to at least see something from somebody else. It's kind of like when you make a change at quarterback, you hope for that spark. It's like why teams that fire their head coach midseason sometimes can turn things slightly around for a bit because that change of air, that freshness, it does a lot of things. Uh, it really helps invigorate uh, stagnant teams that are playing poorly, and I think it could help. And again, like Nick Foles, my question was... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. How long, how big could this bar kind of last? And as we've seen, it didn't really last that long. And who knows, Nick, it could be something where if he did make a change, you see progression for a couple of weeks and then things could kind of plateau or heck even worse, you know, go right back to where it was. So it's not something that it could be the answer, but it could be the answer. And that just the opportunity for it may be worth exercising. Anything else on nagging his play calling that you wanted to hit on here for this portion of the week? You know, I, I don't know if we want to give this any more time than we already have. Well, we have to see what he can do on Sunday. It's a tough test, and he could be down with some two important guys on this offense. But it would ni- it would be nice to see even some tempo. That You know what, to actually to add a little bit more to this, Will, on the drive that the Bears did have a little success in where Nick Foles ends up throwing the interception in the red zone, what got them there were five consecutive plays of no huddle up tempo offense where they kept the Rams defense off balance and you know what why not do that you don't have a, a line that can really protect long enough get the ball out quick which is what Nick Foles has been trying to do all season get a defense off balance off guard and maybe look they don't run that much motion which I still don't understand up to this point but Try some more up-tempo stuff every now and then. Not every drive. You can't do it every drive, but every now and then change up the tempo and see what can come out of it. March the Bears down the field. They just made a dumb play in the in the red zone. Again, a play call that shouldn't have been called, but also a bad decision by Nick Foles. Yeah, I, I get to Nagy's talked about this a bit, and I understand you don't want to run no tempo or up-tempo all the time uh, just because teams will key in on it. You kind of want to use it strategically. But more than what we're seeing, I think it would still be a strategic improvement. If it is what they do best and they have to find a way to do something, uh, I would try it until teams stop me. Um, if I was the play caller here, just seeing what happened. And uh, like you, Nick, uh, I think it would be it's an easy win. It's some of that low-hanging fruit that the Bears can kind of see if it just see if it works. And I know it makes it difficult for subs, but also maybe they're overcomplicating their personnel packages and things of that nature too and simplifying even though we don't really want to be talking about simplifying this offense in year three, it's supposed to have been the complete opposite by now. At least maybe they'll play a little bit faster and a little bit more cohesive, and those two things could lead to more mild success, and I would take mild success over the lack of success that we're seeing right now in offense. All right, now, Nick, looking at this game specifically, I have a simple question, complicated answer time. What is your biggest concern on offense heading into this game? Uh, We talked about two, uh, maybe three pretty large looming situations for the Bears. But for this week, I'm curious what has you the most concerned? Because for me, it's three things. Offensive line, 
offensive line, offensive line. Uh, it's going to make, I think, this week the Saints pass rush look better than it should. Uh, I don't have a lot of trust in the ability for them, the Bears, being able to run against this defense, which allows the third lowest yards per carry in the NFL. Um, it's a shame because this is a defense that allows the ninth most points per game, 29 points per game. But I have no confidence that the Bears can find a way to maybe even score more than 20 as of right now, how things are shaping up, injuries included. Um, but the offensive line up front to me is my number one concern. It has been for most of the season, but I know we're looking at this game. We wanted to talk about top concerns. So, Nick, in the spirit of Halloween, what scares you the most? Yeah, I think it's the Bears' ability to establish any kind of run game, and it goes because of the offensive line. Remember, well, last year, this matchup, which was in Week 7 as opposed to what it's going to be this year, the Bears ran the ball seven times seven times all game the bears ran the football against the saints and it was a 12 to 10 game going into halftime well so it was a close game but yet the bears decided and matt Nagy decided we're not gonna run the football and i think that's a huge concern because i could see that happening in this one well because the offensive line can't win their one-on-one matchups or just create lanes for david montgomery and cordell patterson they're going to abandon the run get pass happy, then that offensive line is going to get exposed, making, to your point, that that Saints pass rush look a lot better than what it is. And they do have some capable players, don't get me wrong, but it's going to make it look like a good, good group. So, again, it goes back to the point, and we've been, we've been saying this all season, well, it's the same problem, and there's and there hasn't been an answer for it. But I think it's going to be Nagy's, I don't even want to say, uh, willingness to establish a run, but that that plays a part in it. But it's their ability to actually get efficient yards and not get them in third and long situations because a run on first down, which the Bears like to do, David Montgomery, they'll get three or two yards. They get on second down, maybe two or three more yards, and they still find themselves in, in a non ideal situation. So getting effective yards through the run game is my biggest concern, and it goes back to your point the offensive line. Yeah. And our guest, Ross, talked about how the Saints do a good job of setting themselves up on third down where they can run the ball on third down, and it's not obvious passing situations. And they, they get in that, I call that like that Goldilocks zone where you could run, you could pass, and if you're running the ball, uh, getting effective runs, it's easy to kind of keep a defense guessing. And right now I don't think the Bears do a good job of making a defense guess. I think a defense can key on what the Bears are trying to do, where they're trying to go, and those are the bigger concerns. Like if you can, if a defense knows what you're trying to do, and the Bears' offense that has a talent issue, as we know in general, uh, it's just a recipe for disaster. But if it, if we had to pinpoint it, Nick, I think we are in agreement. Offensive line, and unfortunately, it's been a talking point for the majority of the season. After starting off so strong, uh, really fell off super quick. The injury to James Daniels doesn't help. Now the injury to Cody Whitehair makes things worse. And uh, that's a big. I mean, I'm sounding the alarms here internally because uh, that puts a lot of strikes a lot of fear in me. But uh, let's uh, switch sides of the ball here. Let's talk about this Bears defense, where things, even though it wasn't a pretty game, I can say we feel better about the defense than we do on the offense. That's a fair assessment. And last week, Nick, I think you and I did what we shouldn't have done, and that's putting some confidence behind the run defense. Uh, it really seemed like they were getting that taken care of under control, and just as you and I start to feel comfortable. 
they let us down again. Uh, against the Rams, they allowed a fair amount of easy runs. The Rams were getting some serious chunks on the ground. This week, the Bears will be looking to stop Alvin Kamara, who leads the NFL in scrimmage yards, and Latavius Murray, who's averaging 4.2 yards per carry this year himself. And he ran all over this defense last season, 119 yards and two touchdowns. So, Nick, what we saw from the run defense, of course, it's, it's very concerning uh, do you think that they can, quote, fix it again this week, uh, at least enough to slow down these two backs, or or not? Where Where's your mindset? Yeah, I think it all depends how this game really goes, Will. If it's more so where we see from this Bears offense, three and outs consistently, short drives, you're constantly having the defense out there, I think that just makes it more susceptible to maybe not win those one-on-one blocks because I think Bilal Nichols took a step back from me praising him against Panthers. He didn't really show up against the Rams. You saw some big holes happen when he was in there. But then I don't know if this is a lack of effort, if this is being on the field for too long, but missed tackles really hurt the Bears in making those runs from the Rams a lot bigger than they should have been. So I think it is they're capable of definitely getting better from last week. I really do believe that. But Kamara is a heck of a running back, and so is Miller. And the the Saints know how to utilize Murray. those guys. Murray, sorry. I don't know why I said Miller. Um, Murray, so, it, and the thing is with Sean Payton, he knows how to actually put these guys in positions to succeed, and that's where it scares me because I think Chuck Pagano is a good defensive coordinator. I do believe that, but is he just going to be outcoached by Sean Payton in that offense? I, I think that could be something, especially – if the offense can't get anything going for the Bears. I just think you're going to see a repeat of what we saw last week, last Monday night, and also last year what the Saints did to the Bears in that defense. Yeah, I have some things on this later on uh, when we get to our third talking point. But like you, a little bit concerned here. Uh, the concerns with uh, Kamara is you know his speed. I mean, he can go... 0 to 100 and a blink of an eye. If there's a hole in the middle, if he's running between the tackles, he can get uh, right through that hole and 10 yards down the field in a, in a hurry. It doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot of room for him uh, to make some damage against defenses. And Latavius Murray, he's slippery. And that's what scares me because of what we saw last week, what we saw a year ago, uh, just having a tough time taking running backs down that – have a little bit of an attitude, a little chip on their shoulder, someone that can run through people, lower their shoulder. And Murray does a good job of that. He does a good job of fighting off some wimpy arm tackles. And the Bears, I couldn't even count all the missed tackles from that game against running backs. And if they have the same kind of just poor effort when it comes to bringing down the ball carrier, uh, both these backs can really just have their way against this defense. Uh, is there anything else uh, with the Bears' run game? I know you mentioned Bilal Nichols had a down game. Uh, McKeem Hicks, he was very passionate, uh, and I'm not even getting on penalties, but I thought he, too, could have done a better job. Roquan Smith, Andy Trevathan as well, they were getting just destroyed by the second level, and those are items that when I'm looking at this week's game, if those just continue or they played to the same degree, it's not going to be pretty. You know, and I also saw some runs happening where the Rams were deliberately running to Khalil Mack's side. And there were times where he didn't set the edge. I think that was a big thing with, with this Bears team. And you mentioned on the postgame show, Will, like the Bears were getting destroyed on the edges. And that's where Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack are usually at. And obviously you'll see Marquevis Mingo and James Waters in the game to replace those guys. But even when Quinn and Mack were in the game, the, the edge wasn't being set. 
And you can't allow that to happen for both these running backs that they're going to face this Sunday. And because, like you said, Kamara on the edge, that's that's dangerous. That's not good for this for a team that's already missed a bunch of tackles this season and a guy that can evade tackles as well as Kamara can. You're, you're setting it up for big, explosive plays to happen. And the Bears have been giving up so many just explosive plays on the ground this year, and it's just so detrimental for a confidence of a defense. Uh, really helps an offense pretty much open up the entire playbook. And this is something the Bears have done such a good job with over the years of limiting. And I think we're starting to see some of the effects of being unable to limit some of those. And I think they've allowed like one of like the higher percentages of big runs in the NFL this year. Even though the, uh, the yards per game isn't one of the worst in the NFL, it's the limited runs that they have against them because uh, teams have to pass a lot, do pass a lot. Uh, just the yards per average as well as just those explosive runs, those chunk plays, uh, those are way too high. And hopefully this isn't a week where we see them, but like you, Nick, uh, I would agree that we're more than likely they're going to be out there. Uh, the big question is how much can the Bears find a way to limit them? And that's what we're going to be kind of keeping our eye on. And really when we look at the entire defense last week, uh, I think it's easy to say that we need to see a bounce back game across the board. Guys in all three li- levels, the defensive line, linebackers, and secondary, they need to be better than they were against the Rams. So when we're looking at this entire unit, Nick, who do you expect to bounce back this week and why? See, how we phrase this question, will expect, is a, mm-hmm. it makes it a lot tougher. I really want to say Roquan Smith. I really do. But something is holding me back from just saying that he's going to have a good game because of the running backs he's going to face, of the offensive line, the play caller, even in Sean Payton, and that, that whole entire Saints offense. But for the sake of, of this, I will say Roquan Smith because he needs to play better. And we've been asking for more consistency to see it out of a top 10 draft pick And yet, every single week, we can probably point, there's another missed tackle from Roquan. There's another one. At what point are we going to see the consistency in this top 10 pick really come out and just play ball like he was supposed to? Um, He's now taking over the play-calling duties for his defense, so he's taking that aspect of being this inside middle linebacker. But now the play needs to come with it. And this would be a huge statement game. Because, like I said, referring to last year, the Saints made this defense just looked like they were off balance. They just didn't know where the ball was going, who who's, who had the ball at times, and they were getting chunk plays, and that was with Teddy Bridgewater. So now with Drew Brees at the helm, I want to say Roquan Smith has this bounce-back game. I'm only saying it because he needs to. For this defense to have success, to stop those two guys in the backfield, he needs to have a bounce-back game. But I'm I'm hesitant to say it, but he needs it. Yeah, he does need it. Uh, That's why I have in mind, because you're right, the phrasing was interesting for ours. Uh, Who do we expect? I I put hoping for Danny Trevathan. He wasn't impactful against a run last week. We need it. Uh, You expressed everything with Roquan Smith. The same is for Danny Trevathan. Uh, Last week, you see him over-pursuing. He's not the only one. I, he's not super. He wasn't super sound in his run fits. He was getting pushed out of plays, allowing for some cutback lanes. Again, he's not the only guy, but if he's playing at a better degree, that can help limit some of those things as well. And those are items that we usually we can see uh, Danny Trevathan not have to struggle with, and that's why I hope that's the case because you talked about Kamara. Murray as well, who's that bigger back. You need someone that can you know, lay the wood a little bit and knock people back. And that's your Danny Trevathan up front. He's, you know, he's the difference maker in that regard. And if you can pop Murray back and, you know, put him on his heels and have him a little bit more hesitant of maybe he doesn't want to lower the shoulder as much, 
that's helpful. Uh, for me, though, who I expect, I expect Kyle Fuller to play a little bit better. Last week, targeted seven times. He allowed five catches for 51 yards, including 22 after the catch. I think he'll take care of business this week. Maybe that changes if Michael Thomas plays. I know he did practice today. He did have a heck of a game against us a year ago, but I feel confident still in the Bears' outside corners. And even though Michael Thomas is an elite talent, he could be a little rough. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Just because he hasn't played all the way since week one, I doubt if he plays, he's 100%. So that'll help. And on top of that, Marquez Callaway, uh, he's been getting a lot of looks in uh, Thomas's uh, kind of void, especially last week Callaway did, and he hasn't practiced yet this week either. So those are things I'm keeping an eye on. Um, but Kyle Fuller, who's been playing at such a high level this year, again, five catches, 51 yards allowed. That's not huge numbers given up, but it's a little bit more than we've seen so far, the five for seven allowed. So I think he'll get back on track this week, and that's why I would expect uh, to play a little bit better. Now, Nick, you mentioned this one already. One thing that we saw last week, uh, that's Sean McVay. He came into the game with a plan and executed it well. He kept setting up his offense for future successes with his play calls. He was setting up the next play, and last week Pagano lost the chess match against McVay, and he'll have his work cut out for him this week because Sean Payton, he can do the same. Uh, We talked about this with our guest. He and Drew Brees have such a great comfort level together. Uh, there's times where Breeze can take over as well, and I think this can really uh, pay dividends for New Orleans and hurt this Bears defense. And, Nick, we're talking about it before we went live, and unfortunately for Pagano, he needs to almost have a perfect game from his unit in order for the Bears to win, just thanks to the offense's uh, you know, incapability of putting up any amount of points. Uh, so, really, the Bears need to play at an elite level to have a chance to win this game. Can they get back to an elite level on Sunday? It's hard, Will, because you even look at last year's matchup. The the Saints didn't have Kamara, and they were still able to have a whole bunch of success. But they did have a healthy Michael Thomas, and it looks like it's going to be the opposite in this game. But given that this defense didn't have much success against Sean McVay with all the motions, the Saints like to do that. They even ran some trick plays last week against the Panthers where Kamara gets the ball, throws it back to Breeze. Breeze hits a big completion down the field. They're willing and able to do everything. So this Bears defense and Chuck Pagano have to be prepared for a little of what they saw against the Rams last week, which they couldn't you know, play efficient enough defense there. But then they also have to be... They have to know going to this game, we're going to be out there on that football field a lot because our offense most likely isn't going to give us much help. It's such a disadvantage, I think, for the Bears defense. They play great. They have this bend, don't break defense, but I just don't know if they could play a perfect, look, almost elite level for four quarters. It's tough. So it's going to be tough. It is. What gives me a little bit, I hear Brady, don't I? He's barking. He's barking. Probably a squirrel. <laughs> Nice. You got to love the squirrels there. Uh, But for me, Nick, I think there's a chance that they can get back to a very high level. Again, can they play it for all four quarters? Uh, That's the bigger question. 
Uh, I just remember the Colts game, and that was a, a full of just poor effort. Not as much as what we saw against the Rams, but there was still a decent amount of poor offense, uh, poor yeah, poor offensive effort. And the defense didn't have its best game of the season then in that regard. Still, they didn't allow the Colts to score a ton of points, but as we know, it doesn't take a lot. Uh, but then the following week, the whole team came out with a little bit of an attitude, a little bit of a different mindset, dominated the Buccaneers. So I think that they have it in them to rebound defensively. All the issues I think that we saw last week were correctable. The missed tackles, the over-pursuits, the bad angles, uh, just being honestly just overpowered when they shouldn't have been. I thought they came out flat yet again. So for me, everything I saw was correctable. It's just a matter of can they do it long enough and it does depend on the offense like you mentioned too uh, a couple things that concern me uh well one thing that concerns me i guess would be khalil mack not practicing this week and then being very mum on his status uh again he'll probably play i know he's still dealing with an ankle um but it's just we've seen khalil mack now dealing with nagging injuries for the better part of what feels like three seasons and uh which is unfortunate because we want to see him be healthy, be 100%, and we're not seeing that right now. And if he is hindered and has to be on a pitch count or just not the same player that he is, that can be a, a big factor in this one as well. Um, and I know for the Saints, two of their starting offensive linemen are dealing with injuries. Left tackle Armstead as well as their guard Nick Easton uh, limited this week in practice, and uh, perhaps that could bode well in the Bears' favor. But do I think it's possible? Yes. Do I think it's likely? More than likely not, but it's somewhere in that middle ground. Again, they can hold the Saints on third down. They can hold them to 17 points, and that still may not be enough, uh, which I wouldn't discredit the defense for. It's more of an indictment on the Bears' offense, but I think they can play well enough on Sunday to win this game. Anything else on the Bears' D before we move on to special teams? No, I, and I think with uh, just a transition to special teams, well, just look at last year's matchup, what happened on special teams. You had the Cordell Patterson return for a touchdown, but also after that first offensive series for the Bears, they get a punt block that goes for a safety. You have Harris for the Saints, who's getting big returns in the punt, you know, the punt game, punt return game. So I think special teams, more than any game this season, will play a factor, a larger factor than it has um, in the previous games, not that like Cairo Santos hasn't hit you know big field goals or things like that, but I think special teams in this one, how the Bears can adapt, really. You can't have what you did last year in terms of almost getting a couple punts blocked. One was for a safety, and one another one was tipped. But maybe Cordell Patterson has a return or an opportunity return for this one. So I think special teams, like I said, is going to have a big factor in this game. We saw how special teams last week with field position, really put the Bears in some bad situations. not like they were going to move the ball anyway, but they were deep in their own territory. So I think special teams for this one is going to be huge for both teams. It sure is. Uh, real quickly, I saw someone in the chat, uh, Russell, asked if I was high because I said the Bears dominated the Bucks. Defensively, you, you held them to one touchdown with Tom Brady, a lot of offensive weapons. I thought the Bears' defense did very well in that game uh, with a Buccaneers offense that was scoring a lot of points, have scored more points since that game, and I think that's a testament to that Bears' defense. So that's what I was talking about there. On top of that, going back to the special teams, uh, like you, Nick, it's important. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have, uh, looks like Ted Ginn Jr. back there returning punts at least for another <laughs> week. They have confidence in him. Don't know where they're finding that confidence, but they're having confidence in him. They did sign a returner, though, Dwayne Harris. Uh, he does average 10 yards per punt return in his career. They signed him to the practice squad. 
Uh, I'm sure with COVID and all the protocols in place, it just will take time to kind of get them over to uh, the active roster. If that is the plan, it better be the plan. If you're making a move and you have someone where that's their specialty and they can actually help you gain yards before your offense that needs every yard and every chance of getting yards before they step on the field out there. So hopefully that happens. Uh, Were you at least mildly excited when you saw that news break, Nick? You know, anybody to replace Tyken Jr. <laughs> would get me excited at this point. Well, we've seen enough. And the thing is, going back, like, Matt Nagy kind of defending, or in a way just saying that he's okay with it, he said that he could have caught two punts that he didn't. And that was the only, like, criticism of it. There is – maybe he's just not saying what he really wants to say. That could be a possibility. But we can all see that he doesn't want to be back there. It's evident. It's clear as day that Ted Ginn Jr. wants nothing with returning punts. His teammates can see that. The world who was watching on Monday night could see that. You need someone back there. So when they um, brought in Dwayne Harris um, to potentially take that spot, uh, you know, I, I was like smiling a little bit. But, well, it looks like we'll have to wait at least another week for, for right. COVID. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all pans out. But uh, that would be some much-needed help for the Bears' third phase. So, Anything else on special teams this week that you want to discuss? There's, to me, there's really nothing pressing. I know uh, weather may be an interesting factor um, with wind. It looks like it's supposed to be pretty darn windy, like 25 miles per hour on Sunday. Kind of cold, like high 30s, low 40s. Not that I think it's going to be the end-all, be-all, but, I mean, anytime you're in Soldier Field with some wind, and if you have to, if the Bears offense can't put up you know, points in the end zone, you have to rely on a kicker, you never know. We'll see what Cairo Santos can do. I mean, if he has a good game in these weather conditions, I think he's all now but solidified his role as the kicker. Uh, we haven't even heard about Eddie Panier. I don't think any questions were even asked of him this week. So that's how you know. Uh, but it would be reassuring to see him go out there and kick field goals. So he's, if the Bears get in position, he, he'll get his chance. <sighs> big gifts, big gifts, but uh, we'll find out here uh, in a few days. Let's move on to our X Factor segment of our show here. So, for the X Factors, Nick offense, I'll begin. I'm gonna go with uh, well, not a little name. It's a smaller name though. I'm gonna go with Javon Wims. Uh, this is if Allen Robinson cannot play because. If Robinson doesn't play, you need to have someone take over the X position, and you're not going to put Anthony Miller there. Uh, and it's going to be between Wims and, well, Mooney. And Mooney, he's going to draw his own attention, and they like him where he's at too right now at the Z, and I don't think you kind of move his role on offense whatsoever. And if Mooney's out there, he's going to draw a lot of attention. Being that deep threat, his name's been getting some buzz around the league. So now you look at Anthony Miller. Uh, it, it's so inconsistent. I don't know. He can be an X factor in his own right uh, as well, but you need that big body guy. You need someone to help take some of that pressure and kind of help. The offense has been running through that X position probably too much, um, but it has been right now. And Wims, looking at his game a year ago against the Saints, uh, he did have a touchdown grab against them, uh, so that may be helpful. And out of Wims's four catches this season, again, only four catches, uh, three of them have gone four first downs. And the Saints' vulnerability, uh, on their defense is the secondary. Uh, like I said, I think we do need an X. Marshawn Lattimore, he's been pretty bad this year. He could be a good matchup if Wims is squared away against him. Norris Jenkins would be a tougher matchup for Javon. But uh, regardless, I don't really see a way that this offense can succeed if it's just Mooney and Miller um, as the primary targets at wide receiver. You do need a third option. 
And that's going to have to be whims if A-Rob can't go. And if he can step up, I think that would give this offense a huge boost um, because if not, and they're forced to throw to the other two too much, that's not going to help our cause. And really the expectation for me would be eyes would be on Mooney, eyes would be on Miller, and they're looking at stopping Jimmy Graham. And I think if you give them just those three guys to hunker down and take down, they can do it. Uh, if Wims can be that X factor that they're not really paying attention to, but can help provide a spark or at least consistency on offense or a few big plays, uh, I'll take it, Nick. <laughs> so for me, uh, that's going to be a max factor. I thought easily could have went like, you know, someone on the offensive line or David Montgomery, something like that. And I just wanted to kind of look elsewhere. And I thought with A-Rob perhaps not being able to play, giving fans an expectation or at least an option of what life could look like without A-Rob. And I think it's not going to look pretty, but Javon Wim, someone that fans do like, uh, if he can find a way to have some sort of impact, I think that'd be huge for the Bears' offensive chances. Yeah, it would be. And everybody on this team needs to really step up at this point because they need all the help they can get. But I wanted to go with a guy that we have talked about, but he's been very inconsistent. You mentioned him, Will. He is Anthony Miller. I think he will be the X-Factor or should be an X-Factor because of the matchup that he's most likely going to be seeing on the opposite side of him. That's going to be C.J. Gardner-Johnson, number 22 for the Saints. Played a lot of that nickel corner position even though he's listed as a safety there. But just watching last week what the Panthers were able to do, they were able to exploit that position a couple of times. A couple of times with the matchup, whether it was Anderson in the slot or D.J. Moore in the slot, you saw number 22 trailing. Now, it's a whole other story whether or not this offensive line can give Nick Foles enough time for him to hit Anthony Miller because I do think he does still create good separation. He does. Whether or not he catches the football, and we saw an incredible catch Mm -hmm. last week against Ram. One hand. But sometimes when he uses both, it just doesn't work out for him. So I think this could be an opportunity for him if Allen Robinson cannot go, can Anthony Miller step up? We've seen Darnell Mooney step up. We, we have seen that, and he's a rookie. But can Anthony Miller, third-year player now, who goes to these, these ups and downs throughout a season, create some kind of consistency when the offense desperately needs it? You need to win those one-on-one matchups quick. I like Anthony Miller for that. For when you have an offensive line that can't block for a long time, I want someone that can get open, create space, and present himself to the quarterback. Anthony Miller can do that. Now, uh, like I said, there's a lot of factors to him getting the ball and when the ball gets thrown to him, whether or not he'll catch it. But I do like the matchup against Gardner, uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, number 22, and we'll see if the Bears see the same thing I'm saying. But they they usually don't, and that's why they lose. That's why I should be the play caller. (laughs) There you go. Hey, there you go. Uh, Just put yourself out there for the job. You don't want it? (laughs) No, no, absolutely not. That That would just be terrible. I suck at Madden, so I can't even imagine a real game. (laughs) There you go, man. But, yeah, I mean, we're both looking at receiver. I think it's warranted. They need a spark. They need options. And I I think there's talent to a degree. I don't know if they're going to be able to extract the talent, tap into the potential, uh, whether it's play calling, whether it's just the players executing. But it's frustrating regardless. And if there is an Allen Robinson, the targets have to go somewhere. And they all can't go to Darnell Mooney. As much as we love all of them to shift over to number 11, that's just not feasible. That's not viable. And so we need other options. And it looks like you and I are looking at the same position. A couple different players for some different reasons. But either way, uh, if one of them or both of them did step up, 
Oh, that'd be tremendous uh, for this team this week. All right, looking over to the Chicago Bears defense for the X Factor, I got... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Two. Uh, I'm going to lump them together. Uh, sometimes you do that, so I'm going to do that too. I have Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols. Uh, this is a game where I feel like that's why I went first. I had a hunch. I had a hunch. Uh, I feel like we got to see dominant Akeem Hicks. Uh, we need to see him destroy the line of scrimmage, get into the backfield, wreak havoc. Needs to be a big part of why the Bears can shut down both running backs between the tackles. Hicks needs to do just his damnedest to ensure nothing easy comes his way. On the flip side, needs to see uh, the same or similar effort from Bilal Nichols. He needs to hold his own at nose. Uh, If he struggles or if these two both struggle to make an impact stopping the run, uh, which I know they can stop the run. The problem is just they're not doing it at the same rate that they've done in the past. Uh, This season, Hicks is ranked 26th in run stop percentage at the defensive line, and Nichols is ranked 37th. So if they're unable to win these battles more often than not, and both backs kind of have their way against us, or at least in that first level, and I've seen our linebackers struggle uh, with shedding blocks and getting off when some of these linemen are able to reach the linebackers real easily due to the defensive line's uh, incapability of dominating the line of scrimmage, I think this is going to open up Pandora's box and this offense itself for the Saints I can really just have, you know, it can almost be like a puppet for them. And they can have us on strings. And once we have a move right, we'll go left, vice versa. And it's just not good. So for me, uh, Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols, if they can be uh, pivotal forces up front that can help at least slow down this running game and make it respectable, I think that this would help everyone else around them on defense this week. So that's my two X factors. How about you? Yeah, well, I'm going to build off that point because I had Bilal Please. Nichols as my X Factor. And I just, I want to compare, like, look at what those two guys did against Carolina two weeks ago. Against a offense when Mike Davis, that was, they were running the ball effectively. That offense was humming. But you see the front seven, and in particular, Bilal, Bilal Nichols having a good game, Akeem Hicks having a good game, the guys running stunts for other, for other edge rushers to kind of get into the face of Teddy Bridgewater. The front seven has success. Now, a week later against the Rams, they don't have the normal game. These these offensive linemen get to second level. Block Trevathan, Smith, and a lot of things open up. These big plays open up. So if Bilal Nichols, and, you know, we'll throw Akeem Hicks in there, have a good game against the run, make things a lot tougher for, for that Saints backfield, I think this really hinders what they want to do. Michael Thomas is not healthy. Like, he's not going to be the same guy that dominated the Bears a year ago. So if you could stop this rushing attack or just make it a little bit more difficult, man, that will go a long way, Will. And I, we, were th- we usually think along the same lines. Great minds think alike. But I think if those two guys have a substantially better game, and they're capable of it, I think they really are. More so Akeem Hicks and Bilal Nichols, but I still think as a group they are capable of it. That's going to help this defense have success. 
against this Saints offense that can attack you in a multitude of ways with a multitude of people. So I'm looking at Bilal Nichols. I'm looking at even Roy Robertson Harris. You know, Mario Williams as well. Like this defensive line, when they are have good gap integrity and then mix in some of those stunts in that pass rush, man, it's hard to do anything against this Bears defense when they're playing that way. It makes a linebacker's job so much easier. Guys like Kyle Fuller to break on footballs, to have potentially interceptions or just PBUs, whatever it may be. But defensive line, just to build off your point, is the X factor in this one. And it's not all about just applying pressure on Drew Brees. It's about really stopping the run and just making it difficult for that Saints backfield. Yeah, they can't allow holes just to be opened up and getting pushed out of plays and just bulldoze like they were last week against the Rams. Too many easy holes, uh, not nearly the, the gap integrity, the run fits needing where they need to be. And like you said, if they can't stop it, and we said it probably like 10 times now it feels like, but if they can't stop the run, we're in trouble. And these guys, Nichols, Hicks, are the ones I think we would have the most trust in doing so, but I want to discredit guys like Brent Urban. Uh, you know, John Jenkins, uh, Mario Edwards as well. They, they all need to be, that whole rotation needs to be playing at a high level to help us out. And again, super important. Don't think we can express that enough. Speaking of X factors and things that are very important, Nick, do you want to let people know how they can help us by supporting our show and uh, take it away with uh, some donation stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Before we get to where you can help to donate for the show, we have to give a shout out for this week. And it comes to Sergio Landa. And Landa wanted me to give a extra message to uh, Sergio wanted me to get, wish Adrian baby Landa a happy 11th birthday. So Adrian, happy birthday from the Chicago Audible. Hope you had a fantastic day. And you know, um, thank you so much, Sergio, for, for giving us a donation. And now for anybody else who wants to get a donation and um, to, you know, just support the show, everything we do. As you can see, we're using some new software. We're trying to uh, make this as entertaining and just fun to watch as possible. And we're doing that with all these cool graphics. Credit to you, Will, for taking time to do all that stuff. But what you can do to help donate for the show is you can either send a donation through Venmo or PayPal and our Venmo's at the Chicago Audible. Should see my name and the Chicago Audible logo. And if you want to donate through PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. One more time for Venmo at the Chicago Audible. And then PayPal is www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. To all of you that have donated in the past, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And we're able to do some cool stuff. Like these graphics I'm seeing, Will, they're awesome. And you know, it's all credit to everyone that's helped donate to help make this happen. Yeah, and our graphic designer, Jordan Graham, shout out to him for uh, helping us look schnazzy here on the <laughs> live stream. And we have some more things coming. You have a green screen coming tomorrow, Nick, and uh, that was made possible by our donations. And we're going to be toying around with some new things with it and seeing what we can do and excited to see uh, where this takes us. So thank you, everyone, uh, throughout the the entirety of our uh, donations as we've been uh, you know, asking for those over the last few months and uh, looking forward to seeing who uh, is looking to help us out as we kind of take our next steps here uh, in our future for our live stream, for our podcast, and seeing how we can continue to up our game. All right, Nick, let's get back to business here and let's look at our back-breaking matchups. I have offense this week. Actually, sorry, you have offense this week. I have defense this week. So do you want to defer or do you want to go ahead and take it? Usually we do offense first, but uh, I figure I'll give you the option here. 
No, I'll, I'll take a first, Will, and I think I, I would be wrong to not say someone on the offensive line versus <laughs> whoever it is really on the Saints. And we'll we'll just stick with, uh you know, the right side of the offensive line and specifically right tackle Bobby Massey against Cameron Jordan. Cameron Jordan hasn't had the the best season so far, and, you know, just just um watching some of his film, he still got it, you guys. Like, it's Cameron Jordan. He's still going to wreak havoc, especially against tackles who are not having a lot of success, like Bobby Massey having, you know, just being a step slow or just missing his strikes on, on opposing edge rushers. Leonard Floyd last week had himself a game, a revenge yep. game, and it was so hard to watch it really was knowing that he was able to just do that against the bears and against bobby massey without really any resistance so cameron jordan or if they want to put marcus davenport a guy that you know i I liked in the 2018 draft on on that side they'll mix them up they're not going to always be on that same exact side watch it so really this can go to left tackle charles Allen jr and i could really say the offensive line for this pivotal back-breaking matchup but i'll look at bobby massey because I thought he really struggled against Leonard Floyd. We know what Leonard Floyd is like. He's got a move, one move. I don't know if he's developed any counter moves since he got to the Rams, but it seemed like it really did work against Bobby Massey and a guy that's so savvy and just knows how to get to opposing quarterbacks like Cameron Jordan. He's going to take advantage of a guy like that. So if Bobby Massey can't even block for a, a second, maybe a second and a half, then... Nick Foles is not going to have a chance. And if it's anything that looked like what Leonard Floyd did, just I don't even know what to do. That's why it's Matt Nagy's problem, and that's why I said that's why I said I won't be the offensive coordinator, but it would be an, a, a serious issue. So Bobby Massey versus Cameron Jordan, have at it. Yeah, I mean, that could be the straw that breaks the camel's back, no doubt about it. Uh, switching over to the Bears' defense, I'm going to do Roquan Smith versus Alvin Kamara. I think this one... Uh, is an obvious one. Uh, Kamara's going to get the bulk of the work for the Saints this week, uh, as he has all season. He's averaging over 20 twitch- touches per game. And again, he leaves the NFL in scrimmage yards. Uh, he's going to be the focal point for the Saints. Uh, primarily, it'll be on Roquan to track him down. Uh, if we have any of those over-pursuits like we saw last week, it's going to lead to some really easy yards on counters or even allowing wide-open cutback lanes, which Kamara has such great vision to find and exploit. Uh, with Kamara's speed, uh, it's really going to be uh, detrimental if the Bears can't get a hat on him, and that's going to need to be Roquan. He can easily, like I said, Nick, take it 10 yards in just a blip. Gap integrity will be huge. Not allowing any easy broken tackles, another big one. It's going to hinge on the guys up front, as we mentioned in our X-Factor section as well, to kind of keep him clean. Uh, Roquan last week against the Rams, I would say he was bullied by the offensive line. They were able to get tackles on him uh, and just kind of seal him out of plays. Uh, And we've known Roquan, that's been his weakness since he came out of the draft, is the inability to shed blocks. Uh, We've seen it off and on. He's had games where he's done a good job of avoiding them. And there's also games where he has a really difficult time disengaging. And with Kamara and his speed, and they like to get him out along the perimeter as well in the screen game, if they do anything where I think Sean Payton will do, and that is just getting traffic in the way of Roquan Smith, whether it be guys running slants or crossing routes or linemen on screens reaching that second level, just bodies in Roquan's way to slow him down. With Kamara's speed, that's enough. Uh, that's enough for him to get the ball in the flat and take it upfield in a hurry and get uh, a good chunk of yards. And we already talked about how important it is to limit some of those chunk plays. So Roquan, 
uh, who had a very down game, uh, like you mentioned too in the earlier portion of the show, Nick. Uh, he just needs to find a way to kind of turn things around, get back to being on point. Uh, he needs to be attacking downhill. He needs to be shooting his gaps, uh, gap integrity, uh, getting his right run fit, not going into the wrong gap, uh, quick to the sideline, fighting through the traffic, and uh, setting off blockers. Uh, again, that's it's real simple stuff, but it's important. And sometimes it's those fundamentals that when we don't do those, things easily kind of break and fall apart. And at Roquan, uh, he has the big daunting task of trying to slow down uh, the player in the NFL who has the most yards so far. And it's not going to be easy. And I would expect plays to be had for Kamara. Um, And it may be a more a matter of bending and not breaking. Luckily for Kamara, he's not, at least hasn't been ultra effective in the red zone this season. But still, if he allows the Saints to just sustain drives, it helps them. The Saints have the best third down offense. If they allow that to uh, be Kamara, who's moving the sticks consistently, keeps that Bears defense on the field, keeps them tired, keeps these drives sustained, it's going to be a long afternoon for the Bears. So for me, Roquan Smith, Alvin Kamara, good luck, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a heck of a matchup. I mean, you didn't see him last year. So it's going to be the first time that Roquan Smith gets to play Alvin Kamara. And, man, it's going to be quite the matchup, hopefully. If it's if we're saying that, then I think, you know, if we win, see Roquan Smith win a couple of times Kamara, like, I'll take it back and forth. I just don't want a one-sided Kamara just dominating. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's going to be, again, help from his offensive line, things like that. But I will take back and forth. Not missed tackles, but just back and forth where each one of these guys are taking a shot at each other or winning the matchup. But... If it's one-sided, more so Camaro's, then the Bears are in big trouble. Yeah, no, if Smith gets out of position or if he's unable to track him down and then it's more on like Eddie Jackson and Gibson to make some of these tackles and Camaro's averaging you know six, seven yards a carry or a touch, that's going to be a big problem for the Bears to find a way to stop and slow down. Uh, and last week against the Rams, there was that point where they were allowing over like seven yards a carry. Can't have that happen again uh, against the Saints offense, who's they're putting up a lot of points. You still have Drew Brees, and it's crazy that you know he's playing. He doesn't have his best playmakers, but he's doing a lot of you know shorter passes this year, and that's making where we're not talking about him. But he's still super ultra important uh, in how he's going to be setting up this offense for success as well. Um, but Nick, it is time to find out who has the edge. I'm actually up first. I have the Bears run offense uh versus the saints run defense and uh i don't know i kind of scoff because i mean bear dead last in the nfl in yards per game and yards per attempt uh 3.8 yards per carry saints bring in the nfl's fourth best defense in terms of stopping teams on the ground they're only allowing teams to three and a half yards per touch and less than 90 yards per game on the ground we already talked about white hair's availability is in question both levels of the saints front seven does a pretty good job of playing downhill and attacking Cameron Jordan, Nick, you talked about him. He does lead the NFL with run stops from edge defenders. Uh, So even though he's not the same uh, impactful pass rusher as he usually is, he's still a pretty dominant run defender right now. Uh, Their nickel corner, uh, Gardner Johnson, again, I know they play him around, um, but I'm just looking at him right now. Uh, He does lead the NFL with run stops from cornerbacks. So if the Bears, they're going to have a hard time getting to either edge. Uh, is what it looks like to me. And they're not afraid, uh, really, anyone in this defense to get dirty in terms of stopping the run. And their defensive line, they have a very solid rotation of guys who can make life hard. In particular, they can really make life hard for this Bears offensive line. So it's really not looking pretty. Can't find any silver lining to even think about giving the Bears advantage. So the edge here is a handy one for the Saints. 
So let's go over to the Bears' passing offense versus the Saints' passing. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Temper Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Defense, and Nick, who has the edge there? The Saints do, Well, Let's be completely honest. Until this Bears offense, like we've been saying for, what, the past three weeks, shows us something? And really, the all season, until they show us something, I think you can almost put every defense has the edge over the Bears until they show that they are capable of I guess capitalizing on whatever their weakness is for the Saints and it doesn't even matter because this offensive line is not going to give Nick Foles enough time Sam Mustafer starting like with Rashad Coward Jermaine like these guys have have not played well and I just don't see it getting better this week and we I know I it's I have like a similar feeling Will after that Colts game I think we had this the similar kind of thoughts going into the Thursday night game with the, with the Bucks, but they kind of showed out and were able to do enough. Will they do enough this week against the Saints? It's not a it's not a night game, but it is at home. I just don't see it happening uh, again. I think Cameron Jordan's due for a big pass rushing game, and I think this would be the team to do it against with the Bears. So I'm going to give the edge to the Saints on this one. Like I said, until I actually see something schematically, maybe a difference. Or guys really step up like an Anthony Miller's my X Factor. I'm not going to give them the the edge in this category. Well, I just can't do it. No, and the sad part is the Saints they allow a lot of points. But even if like I feel like the Bears they're the ones holding themselves back more than anything. So it, it's just so hard to even get a lot of confidence on that side of the ball. And it's unfortunate how quickly this thing is not spiraled, but that's almost what it feels like it has because it felt like they're finding their way off and on, and now it's just like. It feels like last year, almost all over again with the inability to just put up points and not helping this defense whatsoever. Switching over to the other side of the ball, Nick, you do have the Bears' run defense versus that Saints' rushing attack. Which way are you leaning? Yeah, this one's also like I sound like I'm really negative right now, but it's just it's it's looking at what the that's the one area on this Bears' defense where they have not been consistent all season. And you talked about it. Well, we had too much confidence going into the Monday night matchup and then they completely destroyed it with what the Rams were able to do the Saints do a lot of good stuff on offense in terms of motion misdirection and having two capable running backs that can do this and the Rams had a couple of guys that you can put back there in the backfield well so do the Saints and they they even have similar but also different running styles so looking at this matchup like we want to see Bilal Nichols and Akeem Hicks have really stout strong games but I think at the end of this, and I guess it depends how you see what, what the edge is, but I think at the end of the day, you're going to look at the stat sheet and be like, okay, Kamara and Davis Murray, they had they, they had themselves a day. So I'm going to give it to them in this, this aspect. Not to say that the whole defense will do bad, but I just think at the end of the day, the Saints will have a good number of yards on the ground. And I think it really goes back to what the Saints do offensively, which is a little bit of everything. Yeah, uh, it's like a smorgasbord. You get a little bit of everything that they're doing well there, uh, down there in New Orleans. Uh, for me, I got the Bears' pass defense versus that Saints' passing attack, and 
This one's interesting. Uh, Drew Brees, he does lead the NFL in completion percentage. He's taking care of the football. Uh, 72% of his passes are completed with only three picks thrown this year. He has the seventh highest QBR in the year as well. And I think we all know that this Bears defensive strength is its secondary. They're allowing the lowest completion rate at 57.1. The third fewest yards per pass at 6.6. And the, f- and the fewest touchdowns, four, in the entire NFL so far this season. And if you look at the receivers that the Saints have, it's really right now who they don't have. We're unsure of Michael Thomas. Even if he plays, he's not going to be 100%. Emmanuel Sanders, he's still on the COVID list, so I don't think he can play. I don't know. Maybe they can get him off the list and he can. It'd be kind of odd. Um, but as of right now, he's not practicing. He's not with the team. Uh, Callaway, who was their most heaviest targeted wide receiver last week, he's been out with an injury right now so far. And I do know that Kamara as a receiver, as I mentioned, will pose a problem. I don't expect the Bears' pass rush to destroy what the Saints are trying to accomplish on offense. Uh, Like we've talked about, Sean Payton will probably find a way to neutralize that pass rush. Quick passes, which they've been doing a lot of. So it's really going to depend on the Bears' ability to tackle, keep the yards after a catch to a minimum, and just be in a position to make plays in the short passing game. Uh, without Michael Thomas, uh, the Bears have the edge talent-wise. Even with them, it's probably fringe leaning towards the Bears right now overall with Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller, Jalen Johnson. Coaching-wise, though, I think they have the handy edge. They'll find ways to exploit us. Breeze has the third-best passer rating when using play action, 120.2 this year, and they don't use it a whole lot. But after looking at what the Rams did, I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to kind of follow suit, uh, especially if they can get things moving on the ground. Tight end Jared Cook, he's a red zone threat. And I say all this, and I think with that, the Bears still will hold the Saints to some of their lowest numbers through the air. So I'll give the edge to the Bears. And the problem is, and we've mentioned it already, even if they do that, even if they hold the Saints to their lowest marks all year passing the ball, Is that going to be enough to win? I don't know. But at least for this specific matchup, I think the Bears can take care of business. And uh, I know the weather, uh, like I said, 39 degrees is the expected temp, 25 miles per hour wind. Drew Brees historically doesn't play super well in the cold, cold games and uh, in some elements. So that may help us. Um, And, of course, some of his limitations at receiver may as well. Um, But So for me, I'll give the slight edge to the Bears here. Uh, but again, who knows if that's actually going to be um, enough? So that's uh, what we had. Uh, was it three to one? Three to one, Will, and I think that's how it should be, especially how the Bears played last week. Yeah, and again, it's it's an up and down season, and you try to find yourself somewhere in the middle. I, I think we're finding that pretty well with the Bears' defense. Offense is very hard to find a middle right now, and I think it would be crazy if we did try to find one as well. Uh, but let's move into the final portion of our show here, Nick, and let's begin, uh, like we always do, with our bold prediction. So what's going to be your Bears-Saints bold prediction? Yeah, so, well, I'm glad you brought up the weather because I was going to do that for my bold prediction. But given that there will be some kind of weather effect at, at Soldier Field, a 325 game like it was last year, I think we're, we're this is the perfect opportunity to see a kick return from Cordell Patterson. Maybe if the wind's blowing in the opposite direction, you don't get the kickers actually kicking the ball out of the end zone, what they typically do. There's going to be opportunities, and Cordell Patterson will take it whether he's nine yards deep in the end zone or if it's wherever. He's willing to take it out. So let's see a Cordell Patterson touchdown return. Uh, The Bears need all the points they can get. And you know what? 
I don't want to say two, but I really do, Will. They're going to kick it to him once, and the kicker's going to make a mistake and not kick it out of the end zone a second time. We'll go bold. We'll go two kickoff returns for touchdowns for Cordell Patterson because why not? You know, I was at the game when Devin Hester did that against the Rams on Monday night, and we're coming off a game that we lost against the Rams on Monday night. So, I right, things are coming together. I like the way you think there, Nick. I had cold weather in my bold prediction. Uh, that's how I saw it in my notes, and I was able to pull it out for uh, the edge section as well. Um, but with that, and how that's not usually Drew Brees' friend, I'm going to say the Bears get three interceptions on Drew Brees, which would match his current total for the entire season. So Roquan, Jalen Johnson, and we'll give it to Gibson, and he'll learn that it's not volleyball. He's playing football. <laughs> he'll put two hands up. Instead of swatting at it and spiking it to the turf, he'll come away with an interception. He's been really good um, getting interceptions in previous seasons. I want to see him come away with another one here. So for me, my bold prediction, the Bears defense will get three interceptions on Drew Brees, which I think sounds pretty damn bold if you ask me. Absolutely. All right. Now we have to do uh, our MVB prediction. Uh, Nick, going offense or defense for your MVB? We'll go offense. What are you thinking? I have offense as well. Very interesting, considering the fact. So who do you think is going to be your MVB? I was thinking that Anthony Miller would be the MVB, but it would be in a losing effort where he'll have a big number of yards and it really won't have an impact on the game. But you'll look at this and be like, this could be another building block. This could be the game where Anthony Miller gets going, especially given the matchup with Garner Johnson in the slot there. So that's what I was envisioning at the end of the day, that the Bears offense doesn't look good. But maybe one particular player... Anthony Miller will capitalize on the matchup, get some of those, maybe just win a a close uh, just matchup in terms of coverage, get open, and then get some yak, which we haven't really seen much out of any of these receivers. Um, So that's what I was thinking, MVP, Anthony Miller, but it's really, it's a lot of uh, yards that don't count for anything. But he'll still get the MVP. So you're already tipping your hand for your game pick, I see. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I was like, wait a minute. We haven't done that yet. What do you mean a losing True. effort? What do you mean? But we'll get there in just a moment. Uh, for me, my MVB uh, prediction here, uh, offense as well, Nick, I'm going to go with Jimmy Graham, uh, former team, a little extra maybe revenge or motivation perhaps. Uh, again, if A-Rob's out, perhaps he gets a bigger share of the load. Linebacker Demario Davis for the Saints has been – atrocious all year in coverage allowing a pass rating over like 120 the saints this season have allowed six touchdowns to tight ends which is the most in the nfl so for my stat line i'm going to say jimmy graham catches five balls 50 yards a touchdown and four first downs gained Uh, so he'll definitely be a factor and that sounds like that may be uh, enough to be mvb worthy uh, in this kind of a game so for me jimmy graham is going to be my mvb prediction And now, Nick, it's time for some game picks. Uh, So for our game picks, I want to make sure I forgot to go through and put our record. I'm pretty sure we're both sitting at four and three. Yep, that's right. All right, so both at four and three. The Bears have us by one game right now. So, Nick, uh, I think you kind of tipped your hand a bit, kind of showed your cards. Uh, Do you want to just kind of make it official? Where do you see this game going? 
Yeah, a lot like last year's matchup and just seeing that the Bears are coming off a loss like they did last year. Not as bad, though. But I just see that the Saints have too much for the Bears for offense uh, to really... It'll, it'll take advantage of this Bears defense at moments and times, and especially when there's no offense on the other side for the Bears right now. So I have the Saints winning 27-13. to 13. I know my bold prediction was two kickoff returns. They just extra, extra kick or the extra point they missed. So Cairo Santos takes a dip down to don't know, the weather. We're going to blame the weather because why not, Will? So 27-13 Saints, and I really hope I'm wrong. The Bears, similar a Devast- not a devastating loss, but a bad loss to the Colts this year. Come out just a new team against the Bucks. Can they come out and be a new team against the Saints and just do enough offensively? That's where I think this game really gets out of hand well. The offense can't do anything. The defense going to give up yards like it did even last Monday night against the Rams. And you're just going to see the score kind of drastically get out of reach. And that's sad to see, but 27-13 to 13, Saints. Wouldn't six nothing be out of a reach for an offense that only scored three points last week? So it's already done by like maybe the end of the first quarter. Well, so yes, you're you're completely right. Ouch! So we're both sitting at four and three. Uh, end of the year, loser has to wear you know Lions, Packers, Vikings gear, walk around downtown Chicago, take some photos, and just you know look like a goof out there and be miserable yeah it's not gonna be pretty and it's not gonna be me because i'm just gonna go opposite of you here just to try to get a game on you here uh, because we've gone the same way every single game so i'm gonna go bears win 20 to 17 uh why i think they respond Uh, (laughs) and i also just wanted to kind of try to do something a little different and get a game on you so that's probably the bigger reason as to why um one area that perhaps will help this week uh it's going to be for the defense really helping us out which i think we all know is going to have to be the case um they didn't do this on monday night um they did do a good job on third down the bears did on defense and they've done a good really good job all season uh second in the nfl on third down saints has the best third down offense um, but what i've seen so far over my five years of covering the bears uh right now is that when the bears have a good third down defense that usually offset a good third down offense and what the bears did a poor job of last week was getting the rams in third down early uh the drives would just go way too far the rams would run too many plays before they actually got into a third down and that's what kind of tilted that field position battle all the way against the bears where the bears are starting inside their own 10 you know countless times I think maybe that changes. Maybe we get the uh, the Saints into third down a little bit earlier, force them into the punch. The Bears have some shorter fields to work with, and maybe with their backs not completely against the wall, that's enough to kind of let things loose a little bit and get things going. Uh, so, again, it's not going to be a big win by the Bears if they do. It's going to be by a score. It's probably going to be within seven. It's going to be a, a gritty kind of a game. I think that the Saints are a beatable team. I think that the Bears can pass on them. A-Rob, if he plays, doesn't play, is going to really hinder that effort. You missed Tariq Cohen, uh, more so without A-Rob. But I think with all the talk about nagging a play calling, uh, he's going to finally knock on wood, get creative again, use some of that misdirection that we've been looking for in this Bears offense. And like I said at the top of this, I just want to have a game on you. I want to be 5-3, and three and you're sitting there at 4-4. Four and four. So I have the the Bears winning. I almost said it uh, the other <laughs> way around, though. Uh, the Bears winning 20-17 uh, to 17, uh, in a very, very close game. And I think in order to win, you do have to find a way to hold New Orleans into the teens. Uh, so that's how it's going to get. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. 
Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Done. So, Nick, uh, you have them losing. I have them winning. I don't know if I feel great about my choice, but I have them winning. Uh, what's going to be your confidence meter here uh, in your, uh, in just, the, I guess, the bare chances of winning, which since you have them losing, I guess it has to be under a five? Yeah, I was going to go like a 4.3 and them actually being able to, you know, prove me wrong here. And I look actually, if the Bears are able to do that, I look at last year's matchup, Mitch Trubisky just missed a lot of layup type throws. And that's what Nick Foles is here to kind of complete, the the gimme throws, the ones that are supposed to be completed. And you watch the tape from last year against the Saints, there were just plays where Trubisky's either off because he doesn't know where the blitz is coming from. The, the pass isn't where it should be. Things of that nature. And with Nick Foles, and I have been critical of him, and he hasn't played the best that we'd like to see. He doesn't have a good offensive line. I think he's better at doing those things. So if the Bears do have a chance at winning, it's because they're able to take what the defense has given them and you know prove me wrong but 4.5 um that they won't and that i'm not confident in them doing so so that's why i do have the the saints winning this matchup you had another bold prediction basically will saying that the bears are gonna win so it's like a two bold predictions in one i'm I'm really curious to see how this goes because I do not want to be the loser in this this whole bet we have going on. I know. I mean, I had to you know shoot my shot somewhere, and I felt like, why not? I mean, they rebounded after the Colts. Maybe they can rebound again. They are a resilient team. Uh, we've seen it in games. Uh, I think we saw it now uh, from a loss. They haven't lost twice in a row yet. So let's uh, keep that streak going. Let's not lose consecutive games so far here in 2020. Now, how confident am I? I'm at like a 5.2. I mean, it's just over the cusp, and that's just to get a game over on you, Nick. So for me, uh, let's go ahead and uh, Bears. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't need to explain why they'll win. The defense will play to the level that we need them to play. They'll hold the Saints under the 20s, and the Bears' offense finds a way to, to score points, and they're going to have to. And perhaps the defense is going to have to pitch in, too, if the Bears want to score 20. Uh, ideally, against a defense that's allowing almost 30 points a game, they should be able to find a way to get it done, you would think, you would hope. Offensive line probably hold that back. Play calling perhaps as well, but maybe it's just a game where Cole Komet gets to play a lot of snaps and we find out he can be like the next difference maker in the whole wide world. So uh, that's kind of where I sit. Not really confident in my pick, but uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's just let's give it a shot there, Nick. Any final thoughts as we wrap things up? You know, I'm just really hoping this game doesn't get out of, out of hand early and it ends up being something like what we saw you know, last Monday night or even against the Colts, where it's just a boring game, Will, and we're waiting, like, can we get this postgame show over with at this point? Because we already know what the end result is going to be with this Bears team. That's what I'm really hoping it's not. But if it is, I mean, I think we now see where the direction is going for this Bears team. But this this is the, I think, I feel like every week is a prove-it game with this Bears and, and this season right now. But this will really tell what what kind of team this is they won five games early on this season against lower level opponents now they're in the the really thick of their schedule against some good teams the saints titans and you know like we were just talking about the vikings a little bit earlier they're they're gonna have a good defense at least but it's going to be 
I saw the face. They they still have a decent unit. But we'll see what the, the Bears can actually do against a Saints team that embarrassed them last year. The 25 points that they, they technically scored, that's garbage time points. It was not that close of a game, and I just do not want a repeat of that for Sunday. Uh, nobody does, Nick. Um, for me, when I'm looking at it, again, 5-1, and one, drop to 5-2, and two, I lose here, 5-3, and three, Titans easily could be five and four i mean that can change the whole just dynamic and perception of the season and trajectory of it so fast and me being uh the bears fan that i am i'm hopeful that that's not the type of season that we want to have or going to have uh, i was very disappointed by the lack of effort uh, that we saw monday night i said it you had a chance to go six and one and be the clear-cut best record in the nfc and it seemed like they just had no interest in that and i'm hopeful that that wasn't the case there was something else that was underneath the surface and now they don't have any interest of dropping to five and three and really falling into that, you know, middle murk of everyone else in the NFC because it can quickly flip and you can be, even though they have the extra team, you can flip out of this playoff picture in, in a hurry, uh, especially with the schedule that the Bears have uh, in front of them. So they need to find a way uh, to beat some of these teams and beating the Saints would restill some confidence in us uh, in moving forward. And that would be, I think they need some of that momentum entering the bye because I think worst case scenario, you enter that bye uh, with everything feeling like it's falling apart and trying to find a way to salvage it after the fact. So I got to find a way to get it done and uh, not super confident that they can. I'm hopeful that they will. And that's kind of where I'm going to leave it for now. There's some serious issues on offense. Injuries are not helping defensively. They just need some help, and they need to play to the standard that we expect out of them. And I think we know they have the talent to do so. It's just going to be really the bigger question is, can uh, you know Sean Payton and Drew Brees find ways to exploit this defense and beat this defense? And there's a good possibility that that's going to be the case as well. So it's really going to come down to uh, a few things, like every week, right? I guess football. I mean, there's a few factors every week. It just feels like, Unlike other weeks where it's like the Bears have an edge here, they should be able to do this. It's so up in the air in terms of like what Chicago Bears team wants to show up this week. And depending on who answers the door, who steps out onto the field on Sunday afternoon, this game can go one way or the other. And I really do believe it's all really a mindset for them and really their inner confidence in themselves. I think they have the talent to do it. The question is, do they have the belief and do they have uh, the capability to actually go out there and get it done? And that's not just players. That's also coaches. I was seeing if you had a rebuttal or anything on that, but I think you want to wrap this preview episode up. No, well, I mean, look, it's um, it's a lot of things. And like you mentioned, it's like all those things, but then it's execution-wise on every given play. So, But here's the thing. I will end on this. It seems like the Bears almost need to play perfectly. Like we said, they need to have an elite level of defense to beat this Saints team because of what the offense is doing. And the offense, maybe, like for go, going the other side, Saints offense, maybe they can make, have a hiccup on when, when their offensive linemen can miss a block. They could still take advantage of a play. If the Bears have any hiccups at any play, it's over with. So that's that's the problem with why this Bears team, when things go bad, they don't know how to overcome it. And that's why it's so hard to win. And, and that's why it's a week-to-week league, like you were kind of mentioning. And then there's so many factors. Just everything seems like it needs to go right for the Bears to to be to have this opportunity. And, and I just don't see that. You can't keep winning games like that. You need to be able to win when things go bad. And 
we haven't seen that in the two losses. They haven't been able to overcome that. But in those fourth quarter comebacks, there have been things that went bad. But I think in the losses, it really shows this team who they truly are. And I think we'll see that again come Sunday. Okay, there you go. I was going to stop you there if you didn't add in those fourth quarters of comebacks. So like, well, they have found ways to win when things didn't go right. And of course, in the losses, you're going to see the opposite. Um, but I do think with how those games should have gone, the Colts, I think, is a team the Bears should have beat. The Rams are a team that I think if the Bears played to their potential, they, they should have beat. Uh, and that's probably the most frustrating part. Uh, that we've seen um, and then you go out there and like you beat the Bucks, and it was a tough game um, but the Bears defense shut down Tom Brady offense did enough and I think that's the same thing I'm hoping to see this week you know enough to take down uh, you know allow the Saints to score a touchdown and then force them into field goals the rest of the game that's the chance of uh, you know putting this Bears uh, team in a position to succeed if they allow consecutive touchdowns multiple touchdowns and you're getting like 14 you know 21 points scored by that Saints offense and then it's going to be a very tough sledding for the rest of the game. This team's not, I say they're not built to come back from behind. We know they can do it in some miraculous fashion, um, but it's something you really don't want to put yourself in that position uh, yet again. So I want to thank everyone for listening to this preview episode. Um, I do have, saw that Bacon was asking if I'm sending out those thank you cards that are coming into my house tomorrow. The card stock that I had them printed on apparently was back order, um, but I got an email today. I got some priority shipping on them. Uh, so they'll be in my house here uh, tomorrow, which will be Friday if you're listening at home, so perhaps the same day. Uh, so I'll be writing those out, sending them out over the weekend, early next week. i uh, got to give uh, my wrist some breaks in between all the thank you cards that I'll be writing here. Um, and like I said, uh, look to see if there's something else inside of those cards, uh, envelopes as well. But excited for all those that signed up for a thank you card for our 500th episode. Nick, speaking of which, we did hit another milestone, 4 million downloads all time on the podcast. So congratulations to you, man. Uh, really excited when I saw us kind of reach over uh, that next historical marker for us. And I'm looking forward to reaching uh, 5 million here uh, sometime, not super shortly, but down the road. Yeah, it's a testament to us, and yeah, congrats to you too, Will, for for starting this thing up and see where it's come. It's it's been awesome to see. Absolutely, and I'm excited. You know, as down as we were today, it's just you know the nature of the week and the grind and the concerns, and it's real. And we have to make sure we're presenting those to our listeners and you know understanding where we're coming from, and hopefully they the bears, not they the listeners, they the bears, give us something to get excited about on Sunday. And we can kind of, you know, have a, a, a game where we can talk about it with a smile on our face instead of trying to pick apart uh, where did things go wrong. We can figure out what went right. And those were so uh, much, you know, uh, more fun conversations and ones that, I mean, honestly, in our time here covering the team, we've had more of the, the losses than the wins to talk about. And I think you and I would both agree that we want to have some more victories to talk about sooner rather than later this season. And hopefully it's still 2020 can be a year uh, that brings us a lot of a lot of excitement, although there's some concerns that the potential for this team can be severed due to, let's say it, the, the big concern of the offensive line. So we'll get there. Uh, we'll figure things out. But thanks, everyone, who's listening to this preview episode. Hopefully you feel more prepared for kickoff, perhaps not, maybe not more confident for this game, but more prepared for the game that is coming your way. Um, if you are celebrating uh, Halloween, uh, please be safe uh, with you and your family uh, out there trick-or-treating or any other festivities that you may be partaking in. Uh, we'll talk to you in November, uh, November 1st, Bears Saints Sunday afternoon. As soon as the final whistle blows, Nick and I will hop behind the mics, talk about the game, what happened, and uh, we'll see you then. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.